Time magazine called him the unsung hero behind the internet. CNN called him a father of the internet. President Bill Clinton called him one of the great minds of the information age. He has been voted history's greatest scientist of African descent. He is Philip Emigwali. He's coming to Trinidad and Tobago to launch the 2008 Kwame Ture Lecture Series on Sunday, June 8th at the JFK Auditorium, Newey St. Augustine, 5 p.m. The Emancipation Support Committee invites you to come and hear this inspirational mind address the theme, Crossing New Frontiers to Conquer Today's Challenges. This lecture is one you cannot afford to miss. Admission is free, so be there on Sunday, June 8th, 5 p.m. at the JFK Auditorium, Newey St. Augustine. Thank you. Thank you very much. I'm Philip Emagwale. My contributions to physics is not merely a theoretical discovery, nor is it akin to the experimental discovery of the laws of motion of physics. My contributions to physics exist in a separate category one called extreme-scale experiments in computational physics. It has mathematical physics and supercomputers at its foundation. I contributed to physics by experimentally discovering how to massively parallel process across a new internet that's a global network of processors. Theoretical physicists, the likes of Albert Einstein, cannot solve a system of coupled, nonlinear, and time-dependent partial differential equations that, in theory, can be exactly solved by executing an infinite number of floating-point arithmetical operations. That set of infinite calculations is at the calculus core of a general circulation model that's running across a global network of 64 binary thousand commodity processors or across a global network of as many identical computers. The necessity to execute extreme scale computational physics codes stimulated the development of the modern supercomputer that computes across processors and computes in parallel. That historical milestone in extreme-scaled computational physics was crossed at 10.15 a.m. New York time. Tuesday, the 4th of July of 1989, the U.S. Independence Day. The milestone was crossed when I experimentally discovered that the slowest 65,536 processors in the world can solve the toughest problems in computational physics and solve them faster that the fastest supercomputer 
that cost the budget of a small nation. Prior to that experimental discovery, computational physics codes were limited to the resolution of only one processor that is not a member of an ensemble of processors instead of to the resolution of my ensemble of 65,536 processors. My experimental discovery of massively parallel processing enables extreme-scale modelers to derive detailed information from petroleum reservoir simulators and from general circulation models and from the most computation-intensive codes in computational fluid dynamics. Conversely, the resolution in computational physics is now limited by the level of parallelism within the modern supercomputer. My technological quest for the fastest parallel processing supercomputer was not an eight-year-long sprint. That scientific quest was a 16-year-long parallel processing marathon across mathematical physics, across physics and supercomputing. I began programming the world's fastest supercomputers on Thursday, June 20, 1974. I began supercomputing in the computer center at 1800 Southwest Campus Way, Corvallis, Oregon, United States. On a typical day, I worked for three hours from 4 a.m. to 7 a.m. as the janitor at the ceramics building that was a short walk from the computer center. The rest of the day, I was more likely to be inside Kida Hall, the mathematics building at 2000 Southwest Campus Way, Corvallis, Oregon, United States. The mathematics building was a shouting distance from the computer center that housed the supercomputers that I was programming. When I began supercomputing, massively parallel processing, the technological engine that powers the modern supercomputer was the most beautiful theory in supercomputing. Like any theory, massively parallel processing in the 1980s was an idea that was not positively true. The June 20, 1990 issue of the Wall Street Journal recorded that I, Philip Emma Aguale, conducted a never-before-seen supercomputer experiment and did so across 65,536 commodity processors. In that supercomputer experiment, I confirmed massively parallel processing as positively true. In that supercomputer experiment, I upgraded massively parallel processing from a theory 
to a discovery. To discover is to see something where nothing was seen. The computation intensive problems that I discovered how to solve in the 1980s and how to solve them across a new internet that's a global network of processors we are called grand challenges of supercomputing. That we are called grand challenges because it was impossible to solve them and for instance to execute an extreme scale general circulation model used to foresee otherwise unforeseeable global warming and foresee it across a massively parallel processing supercomputer. They were called grand challenges because no supercomputer scientist knew how to solve the most computation intensive problems of physics, calculus, and algebra. They were called grand challenges because no supercomputer scientist could solve them with a 64 binary thousand fold increase in supercomputing speed. They were called grand challenges because the then state of the art technology called vector processing was not contributing much to the speed of supercomputers. They were called grand challenges because parallel processing that was the hoped for solution was considered a huge waste of everybody's time. In the 1970s and 80s, trying to discover a factor of 64 binary thousand increase in computing speed of a massively parallel processing supercomputer that was powered by 64 binary thousand processors was like trying to make the parallel processing machine do the impossible. The mood of the decades of the 1970s and 80s was summed up in an article in the June 14, 1976 issue of the Computer World magazine. The Computer World was the flagship publication of the world of computing. That article in the Computer World magazine was captured, was captioned, quote, research in parallel processing question as waste of time, unquote. Fourteen years after that article in Computer World, the June 1990 issue of the Siam News, the flagship bi-monthly news journal of record of mathematicians, carried a cover story that described how I, Philip Emma Aguale, experimentally discovered how to save time by massively parallel processing extreme scale computations and processing them across 64 binary thousand processors. I experimentally discovered 
a paradigm shifting speed increase, a massively parallel supercomputing that was a factor of 64 binary thousand times faster than what was believed to be possible. I experimentally discovered how to save time by massively parallel processing 64 binary thousand initial boundary value problems of modern mathematics and computational physics. I experimentally discovered how to email and solve those problems and solve them through a new internet that I visualized and theorized and programmed as my global network of 64 binary thousand commodity off-the-shelf processors. My experimental discovery of how to reduce 64 binary thousand days or 108 years of time to solution on only one processor to only one day of supercomputing across 64 binary thousand processors was copied by Chinese supercomputer manufacturers. Chinese supercomputer scientists use my experimental discovery of massively parallel processing to solve initial boundary value problems arising in extreme scale computational physics that would have taken 30,000 years to solve on only one processor. Chinese supercomputer scientists can now solve the same mathematical problem in one day and solve them across a network of 10,649,600 commodity off-the-shelf processors. On the 4th of July of 1989, massively parallel processing supercomputing conflicted with the established truth, namely vector processing supercomputing. I was personally and professionally attacked by supercomputer scientists that opposed the radical idea of simultaneously solving 65,536 problems at once or in parallel and across 65,536 processors instead of solving only one problem at a time or in sequence on only one processor that is not a member of an ensemble of processors. For those reasons, my experimental discovery was dismissed as a mistake and was rejected by the supercomputer community. The experimental evidence that the massively parallel processing supercomputer works was slow to come at first, but eventually, my experimental discovery that occurred on the 4th of July of 1989 convinced the naysayers that parallel processing works. The experimental discovery 
of the massively parallel processing supercomputer, mocked and contested as it was, was a paradigm-shifting moment in our understanding of what makes computers faster and makes supercomputers fastest. The paradigm shift was from computing and communicating in the singular sense to computing and communicating in the plural senses and to computing and communicating across a new internet that was defined and outlined by a plurality of commodity off-the-shelf processors and email wires. Parallel processing. Once the stone that was rejected as rough and unsightly is now at the foundation of modern computer science. My experimental discovery was that a massively parallel supercomputer can solve 65,536 initial boundary value problems of modern mathematics and computational physics and solve all those problems at the same time instead of solving them one problem at a time. That experimental discovery occurred at 10.15 a.m. New York time, Tuesday the 4th of July of 1989. That experimental discovery made the news headlines in 1989 because it was the first successful noteworthy calculation to be executed across an ensemble of 65,536 processors and executed in a manner that demonstrated that massively parallel processing is not a huge waste of time. In other words, I experimentally discovered that the fastest speeds in supercomputing can only occur when and where the calculations are evenly distributed across the most number of processors that will also be executing the same number of computational physics codes. In 1989, the available technology limited my parallel processing experiments to across an ensemble of 64 binary thousand processors. However, I proved theoretically that extreme-scale computational physics codes could be executed 64 binary billion times faster and executed across an ensemble of 64 binary billion processors. That experimental discovery of how massively parallel processing works cannot be fully explained as sound bites on television. That experimental discovery of a new supercomputer that encircled a globe and encircled it in the manner the internet encircled a globe cannot be completely described in a 140 character tweet. 
Nor can it be described in an 18-minute TED Talk. Nor can I fully explain in a 90-minute lecture my massively parallel processing supercomputing discovery. Since the early 1980s, I explained my experimental discoveries to research supercomputer scientists and I explained them in a series of research seminar lectures that I gave across the United States. Some of my massively parallel processing supercomputer lectures are posted on my website, emmaagwale.com. This lecture is only one part from my 1,001 research notes and lecture transcripts that, uh, that I posted at emmaagwale.com. It was for a good reason that I was the lone wolf researcher that was at the farthest frontier of the most massively parallel processing supercomputer ever built. The reason was that it was impossible to understand the massively parallel processing supercomputer and to understand it in less than 16 years of full-time training across the disciplines of mathematics, physics, and supercomputing. It will be impossible for you to understand my experimental discovery of how and why massively parallel processing makes computers faster and how and why the technology makes supercomputers fastest. It will be impossible for you to understand massively parallel processing supercomputers and to understand supercomputers without also experimentally and experimenting and programming supercomputers. For me, Philip Emma Aguale, I understood supercomputers after I had programmed supercomputers for the 16 years onward of June 20, 1974. I programmed 16 supercomputers in those 16 years and I programmed those supercomputers as a lone wolf programmer. Along your way to the farthest frontier of supercomputing, you will also spend the budget of a small nation and spend it to purchase the fastest supercomputer in the world that you must program to perhaps experimentally discover the fastest computation and discover it with a paradigm shift that was previously considered impossible. It took me 16 years, onward of June 20, 1974, to understand and to experimentally discover how and why parallel processing makes supercomputers faster Therefore, it will be impossible 
for you to understand in 60 minutes the technology of parallel processing that took me 16 years to understand and took me 60 years to articulate in this lecture of today. My experimental discovery of massively parallel processing is not similar to seeing a painting. To deeply understand the most massively parallel processing supercomputer that costs the budget of a small nation is not similar to reading a novel that costs $10. The difference between a painting and a novel and the new internet that I invented is that you can get the big picture of a painting in one minute. Get the big, the big story of a novel in one day. But you cannot completely understand how a grand challenge technological problem such as traveling to the moon, was solved and understood, was solved and understood, and, and understand that lunar exploration in one lifetime. You cannot completely understand how to travel to the moon and go to the moon alone and understand it in a century. I don't want this lecture series to be as detailed and as abstract as the series of lectures of massively parallel processing supercomputing that I gave in the early 1990s and gave to supercomputer scientists. In the early 1990s, I was appointed as the distinguished speaker of the Association for Computing Machinery. In the early 1990s, I was appointed as the distinguished visitor of the Computer Society of the IEEE, the acronym for the Institute of Electrical and Electronics Engineers. The IEEE is the largest technical society in the world. I lectured in American universities for the IEEE and I lectured on massively parallel sub-processing supercomputing. I was appointed for a supercomputer lecture tour and as a distinguished speaker of the Association for Computing Machinery. That association was the premier society for computer professionals. I lectured on how and why Extreme-scale problems in algebra could be solved across a new internet that was defined and outlined by an ensemble of 64 binary thousand commodity off-the-shelf processors that were identical to each other and that were equal distances afar and apart from each other. I don't want this lecture series to be too abstract for non-mathematicians watching it online. For that reason, I described the partial differential equations that I invented in prose rather than in partial derivatives. Nor 
do I want my lectures to sound like lectures on how to solve the quadratic equation of algebra and how to solve the partial differential equations of calculus. In my 1980s research lectures, I emphasized my theoretical process over my experimental discovery of how to compute faster and emphasized my research over my invention and over my constructive reduction to practice that reduced my global network of 65,536 processors to my small copy of the internet. Yet, in another sense, my lectures were calculus lessons that were beyond calculus lessons. That we are the culmination of my 16-year-long mathematical quest for how to solve the partial differential equations of my new calculus that encoded the laws of motion of physics. The calculus not known was how to derive on the blackboard closed-form solutions to those system of coupled nonlinear and time-dependent partial differential equations. The calculus known was how to derive on a single motherboard the numerical solutions to the algebraic partial difference approximations of those system of coupled nonlinear and time-dependent partial differential equations. The calculus known was how to solve those partial differential equations on the motherboard, but solve them with infinite time to solution. The calculus not known was how to solve those partial differential and difference equations and solve them across my new internet. I visualized that new internet as a global network of 65,536 commodity processors or as a global network of as many identical computers. I tried to keep the contents of my lectures straightforward. I gave videotaped lectures of what I discovered and invented. I explained my visions, my struggles, and my eureka moments. My scientific lectures differ from daily classroom teachings of a body of scientific knowledge that was discovered over the past five millennia of recorded history that dates back dates to the era of the pyramids in Africa. I want you to experience my scientific lectures in a manner that is both visceral and larger than life. Genetically speaking, I was influenced by the second law of motion of physics. That second law was discovered on the storyboard and discovered 330 years ago. 
That second law was rediscovered on the blackboard and mathematically discovered as the algebraic formula F equals MOA or force equals mass times acceleration. An American high school student writing a school report asked me to articulate my contributions to physics. I explained to her that I am an extreme-scale computational physicist who experimentally discovered how to modernize and how that 330-year-old second law of motion of physics is used to solve the most computation-intensive grand challenge problems of extreme-scale computational physics. I experimentally discovered how to modernize and how to code the second law of motion of physics into algebra and calculus. I experimentally discovered how to modernize and how to code that second law of motion and how to code it within a processor as well as code the algebraic representations of that second law of motion as well as communicate via emails to 16-bit long addresses the intermediate answers or the 64 binary thousand initial and boundary conditions of the companion initial boundary value problems that I sent and received across my new internet that I visualized as a global network of 64 binary thousand commodity processors. Metaphorically speaking, I felt that the as yet not fully formed new internet was like a baby moving in my intellectual womb, was shaped like the primordial laws of physics. Those laws of physics are as old as the universe. Those laws of physics are 13.82 billion years old. Those laws of physics hold the secret to how and why massively parallel processing makes computers faster and makes supercomputers fastest. I began programming the fastest supercomputers on June 20, 1974. I first gave these lectures of massively parallel processing in the early 1980s. In 1980, and in the foggy bottom neighborhood of Washington, D.C., I presented massively parallel processing supercomputing as my scientific research project. Back then, massively parallel processing was considered as a scientific blasphemy. The road to discovery is via the cross. For me, 1989 was the year of fire the year the massively parallel processing supercomputer became the fire we can't put out. 
for advocating parallel processing supercomputing, I was promptly dismissed as a crank and I was ridiculed and mocked and reminded that Seymour Cray, the world's foremost supercomputer expert, said that, quote unquote, it will never work. Fast forward a decade after that rejection to July 8, 1991. I gave a parallel processing supercomputing lecture in Washington Sheraton Hotel in Washington, D.C. When I finished my lecture, the audience rose as one and gave me a standing ovation. I continued to give lectures on massively parallel processing supercomputers and gave them in the early 1990s when the two leading computer societies in the world appointed me as the ACM and the IEEE Distinguished Supercomputer Lecturer. In those lectures across American universities, I talked about the new algebra, the new calculus, and the new email message passing techniques that I used to experimentally discover how and why parallel processing makes computers faster and makes supercomputers fastest. And I talked about my invention of how and why to use that new supercomputer knowledge to build a new supercomputer that encircled a globe and encircled it in the manner the internet encircled a globe. I described necessary but not sufficient conditions that I experimentally discovered that makes computers compute faster. I focused on the massively parallel processing paradigm of supercomputing across a new internet. I did not focus on the serial computing paradigm of sequentially computing only within one processor. My idea of massively parallel processing was rejected and mocked in a November 1982 lecture that I gave at a conference auditorium that was a short walk from the White House, Washington, D.C. I was 28 years old when research computational physicists rejected my theoretical discovery of massively parallel processing. However, when I was 35 years old, my experimental discovery of massively parallel processing won the most coveted prize in supercomputing and became my signature discovery. Often, your ideas that get rejected when you are young could lead to discoveries that wins you awards when you are old. Some of those supercomputer scientists that rejected my experimental discovery of the massively parallel processing supercomputer and rejected it back in the 1970s and 80s have seen their children and grandchildren 
write a school report on my discovery that they rejected. That school report on the contributions of Philip Emma Aguale to the development of the computer is my ultimate revenge. As the engine that drives the modern computer and all supercomputers, parallel processing is an enabling technology. As computers get faster, you get more done with less. As supercomputers got faster, the weather forecast became more accurate. As supercomputers got faster, the large-scale general circulation model used to foresee otherwise unforeseeable global warming foresaw more global warming. As supercomputers got faster, the large-scale petroleum reservoir simulation used to recover otherwise unrecoverable oil and gas justified that one in ten supercomputers were purchased by the petroleum industry. Discovering and recovering oil and gas from Nigerian oil fields requires that we borrow tools, techniques, and technologies from different fields to discover otherwise undiscoverable oil and gas from Nigerian oil fields requires that we borrow techniques from physics, algebra, and calculus. To recover otherwise unrecoverable oil and gas from Nigerian oil fields requires that we borrow technologies from the fastest supercomputer that are computing across a new internet that's a global network of commodity processors or that's a global network of as many computers that's de facto a new supercomputer. One in ten modern supercomputers that compute in parallel or computes many things at once is purchased by the petroleum industry and purchased after my experimental discovery of massively parallel processing made the news headlines in 1989. A world without the massively parallel processing supercomputer is a world in which fewer discoveries are made. It's a world in which innovation is slowed down. It's a world in which human progress is slowed down. And it's a world in which the computer of tomorrow cannot be invented today, thus making it impossible for us to create the future. Before the 4th of July of 1989, the supercomputer scientists could only dream of using 64 binary thousand processors to solve the toughest problems in computational physics and thereby zoom into the future. Today, 9 in 10 supercomputer circles are consumed by parallel processing computational physicists and parallel processing computational mathematicians. To my 
elderly grandfather strolling with his walking stick along 17 Mba Road, Umudei Village, Onicha, of the 1950s colonial Nigeria. Thunder and lightning were caused by the god of thunder and lightning, the popular Igbo deity or Alusi, named Amadioha. As a parallel processing computational physicist, I understood the laws of physics better than my grandpa. The bird sings the same song as its ma and pa. Human progress occurs when we sing a better song than our ma and pa. The modern parallel processing supercomputer is humanity's walking stick in its never-ending journey to understand our universe. To contribute to scientific knowledge is to redefine the boundaries of human knowledge and to expand our understanding of the universe. Not everything is known about the fastest supercomputer of tomorrow. Therefore, the supercomputer scientists must look beyond parallel computing and look towards quantum computing. A supercomputer scientist that is beginning his quest for the parallel processing supercomputer and beginning that technological quest today is like the person that shows up to a party after half the guests have left and the other half is getting ready to leave. Parallel processing across the entire internet that circumscribe the earth is the next holy grail of supercomputing. That holy grail could enable our children's children to compute a billion billion times faster than us and turn our science fiction to their non-fiction. Dalono Afambu Chukura M. Philip M. Agwale Abum Onyo Onicha Biaga Fumna M. Agwale dot com Commercia I'm Philip M. Agwale at M. Agwale dot com Thank you Thank you Thank you Insightful and brilliant lecture. Insightful and brilliant lecture.